you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy Ice Cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dime. Yo, what's up? This is Emilio the Poet. Yo, what's good? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to another quarantine episode of Dribble and Dimes. Uh, today we are we are blessed to have not only is he a St. Raymond graduate, um, he's also a University of Pitt ball player, and, and you graduated as well, correct? Before okay, That's correct. All right, That's good. Um, he he's also. I'm going to say he was the first Latino Harlem Globetrotter. I'm sure that's not accurate, but probably the first one in quite a long time. So I'm going to go with that. As, as l- no, I was, the, I was the first. I was the first. First ever? Yeah. Oh, well, shit. Then, then, ah, then yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. First ever Harlem Globetrotter. Um, his nickname is El Huracan, which for you uh, English speakers, that's the hurricane. Less, less a dramatic effect when you say hurricane, but El Huracan is a lot stronger. Uh, he's a he's a bi Caribbean product. Now he was born in the Dominican Republic, but his his mother's of Puerto Rican heritage, and his dad is Dominican. Uh, us Caribbean folk, uh, it's all the same shit. I mean, we we come from the same cut from the same cloth, even though we try to front like we're not. With us, oh wait, wait, wait! I, I must say, he. He has coached in the NCAA, uh, made a few stops throughout, um, most notably at the University of Memphis. I'm sorry, let's backtrack a second. University of Pittsburgh, where he also played. He was an assistant there. He was also an assistant at the University of Memphis under highly touted, legendary Hall of Fame coach, Mr. John Calipari. Uh, and I'll skip a couple steps. He, oh, no, no, no. He was a head coach. At the University of South Florida, and he yeah. now assists uh, at the University of Illinois, <clears throat> uh, the Illini, the Fighting Illini. He is Orlando Radames Antigua. <laughs> yo, you sound you sound like my my pops like that, yo. Can you put the whole full government name? Yo, man? of course, bro. Of course. Now we can find you easy. Yeah, no, that's Damn. we got. So, I feel like I'm in trouble or something, yo. Yo, I, I like to make sure I like to make sure people that listen to this podcast that they have all the information. So if they gotta check somebody, they gonna be yeah, like, yo, rame, que fue lo que pasó. <laughs> No, but Recuerda, you got a brother, so we got to identify you individually. That's what it is. That's true, too. That's, that's true. true. That's true. True and, story. True and, story. And ain't nobody. There might be 10 Orlandos in a crowd, but as soon as somebody say, Radamet, forget it, y'all. It's you. I'm running. I'm running. <laughs> yeah. I already know. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, hold on. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. You got to move it square so that we get the jersey in there, man. You got to represent. Yeah, yeah buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're the back. 
Eso va para allá. Cuando, Yo, cuando llegue la de Jaime, cuando llegue la de Jaime. Yo, shout, shout out to Jaime Peterson. We was just uh, off air. We were, we were cracking jokes about jerseys because Emilio the Poet had uh, asked Jaime for a jersey and Emilio forgot to remind him. It's been about, I don't know, a year. Yo, funny story, and I mentioned this on the podcast. Um, the reason I even met Jaime was an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, shout out to Yesenia and her family. Um, so I was dating her, and then we... I don't know how it ended up, but basically her aunt was dating Jaime at the time. Mm-hmm. And... I meet Jaime. I'm looking. Yo, this dude is colossal. I'm what? <laughs> 16 years old, something like that, 15. And and I see this dude. And then, you know, they introduced him as Jaime. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then Peterson, I'm like, okay. And then he's like, I'm Dominican. I was like, what? How, how does that? <laughs> just off the name, I was like, I don't get it. And then, yo, the dude just hands me his practice jersey when he was uh, with the with the Dallas Mavericks at their, at their mm-hmm. summer camp. And I was like, yo, by the way, I still don't fit it. Like, the Giants is massive, <laughs> right? And, massive. and I, don't, I don't have it. I think, Emilio, you got it, right? I took it, and um, it didn't fit me either, so I donated a few years ago. I was going to say, then that's your jersey, kid. You out. <laughs> you out. Yo, that's your that, jersey, yo. Yo, that, that, that jersey fit me like a dress. So I was like, nah. <laughs> I, I, I took a fan, oh, ah. Yo, for real, that, that, that joint was a quinceanera dress for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but all that to say, Jaime, Jaime is a, a generous uh, jersey giver for sure. Yeah yeah yeah. No, was, Yo, he's so just, he's a he's a generous in the spirit. Every like that man. With everything. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah facts man. Yo so um so you 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 cracked the joke earlier. <clears throat> I want I want you to repeat it um because yeah. it's taking us a while to get together. So so yeah, I want you to say it for the people because I don't even want to steal your thunder. I, I said I said you know it. Took a corona for us to finally all connect, man. You know, we could have did it over a presidente, but a corona, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Yo, you I, keep it up, we're going to throw you on stage as a comedian. <laughs> now, that's it. My, that's my one line. And I'm saying, I'm going to tonight. I'm done. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yo, make sure um, you tip your hosts and bartenders and make sure you give them a tip. <laughs> Yo, um, I mean, we we are in some crazy times right now. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, I guess for the purposes of this podcast, we're fortunate that all of us have a means to be able to actually do this, right? Because there's a lot of people, A, that don't have the means to be able to, you know, set up a Skype call like we're doing right now. Um, yeah. But also, I guess, it, even in, in, more serious, in a more serious sense, you got a lot of people really sick, dying, I mean perfectly healthy people up and down the ages um yeah. catching really bad ones over here so um you know it, it didn't strike me as serious and i've said this in every quarantine episode that we've had so far it's taken about three weeks well sorry three weeks ago at this point and this is now the very beginning of april for those that are listening um it took you know three weeks ago for me to really hit for this to really like hit hard as a really serious thing. And that happened to be the cutoff for the NCAA as far as, you know, gameplay. So we had mm-hmm. um, Terrence Wrencher on also, right? Uh, your, your brother, St. Raymond's, yep. St. Raymond's guy. 
Um, and and it just so happened that Creighton was playing the last game of the season, right? And we talked about what that moment was like, all the seriousness around it. Um, I'm curious for you, when was it that things got really hot and heavy as far as like this becoming like what it what it now is today? Like taking it super serious, making sure everybody's doing the right thing, social social distancing, etc. When was it for you that this became you know the the switch flipped well you know i i kind of stay pretty up to date and watching watching the news and uh, and at the time i was on social media um before i gave it up for lent and i knew what was going on around the world um this past summer we spent a foreign trip with illinois in italy so we were seeing all the reports of you know, the shutdown of Italy and, and seeing the images of Milan and seeing the images of Rome and, and and the Vatican and all of that and understanding and knowing the amount of people that um, pass through all those cities and to see it shut down, you start saying, damn, this is real. Yeah. You know, and, they, and, and you're noticing and seeing the, the amount of deaths that are happening um, in a country that is very similar to, you know, to DR and in, in, in terms of how they take care of the elderly, how the elderly are not put into a home. They, they at their home with their family and their right. peoples. Um, and so you take all that into consideration and you say, man, this thing is, is serious, but really, really real when we're at the, um, we're at the big 10, we're practicing at, uh, at Butler and, um, we were fortunate enough to finish uh, with a double bye, so we didn't play the first game, the first couple games, and so we're we're there that Wednesday practicing, and in the middle of practice, we get the call saying, "Yo, they they stopped the tournament." Yeah, and I'm like, "Nah, what you mean they stopped the tournament?" They're like, <laughs> yeah, they stopped the tournament. Like, this could be our very last practice. And so when we told Coach Underwood, Coach Underwood was like, we were practicing really well. We were really healthy. We had fresh minds, fresh legs. And we were really excited because this is probably one of our best practices that we've had. Wow. So wow. Just, pro just projecting like, okay, we can get on a nice little run here, see what kind of seed we're going to get, a nice high seed, and then use this to propel us, you know, in the tournament to hopefully get into the <laughs> second weekend or third weekend of the madness. And... When that came down, you you just start thinking like, man, this is serious. This is real. When you're talking about the impact that it has on the different college programs and the monetary uh, implications that yeah. that the, 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 you start thinking, oh, this is real, real. Yeah. So we 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 coach said, all right, we're gonna finish practice. We finished practice. We got back to the hotel, and you know, it starts getting. It starts hitting home when you get on the bus, you pack up, and you start seeing, like, these seniors that, you know, we're in year three here of our experience. And we had Andres Feliz, the American yeah, kid, yeah. that, came to, that came to us from junior college, um, who was a senior. And you could, all you the could, work. You could say it because we're a Tri-State Podcast, Monroe College. You could say it. He went to Monroe. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, – <laughs> his career just ended. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Just like and, that. and it was, it was, it's over just like that. And so, and so final in such a quick way and it's out of your control and there's nothing that you can do. 
Um, and as coaches, you know, we're these kids are, are like our kids, man. So mm-hmm. you feel that for them, and you're trying to come up with the words to help them um, put things into reality for them. And you can't come up with it because you've never been through anything like this, right? For sure. Um, so the emotion and the impact that it had on not only the seniors but on all those kids that really had had done the hard work to get Illinois basketball back into the NCAA tournaments. Uh, just a, a quick background on it. They hadn't been to the tournament in 10 years. Wow. So the fan base and everybody, you know, was revved up. Was really was revved up and really excited about, you know, the the potential of where this could go and wow, for that's it to, for, and for it to end so sudden and so quickly, um then immediately you just start thinking about, okay, what does this really mean for your own personal family? Like, you know, we got to start listening, paying attention, following what, you know, the authorities are saying in terms of the social distancing and taking care of yourself and, um, and all that stuff. So it was, it was surreal, man. It was surreal. That's crazy. Yeah. I just want to say, I think, um, probably the last time Illinois went to the, uh, tournament was probably what Darren Williams was playing, if I'm not mistaken. With, yeah, in 2005, that's when they made it to the uh, the national championship game, um, and, and it was the last time they they were. That's the crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's yeah, it's crazy. Been, it's, it's been that long, man. So, yo, yo, um, kudos to you guys because y'all y'all brought it back. Y'all gave it a yeah, you know I mean, you spilled it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we that's what I'm saying. I mean, we, we had a small part in that. Those kids, man, they sacrificed and, and and fought and and they believed in us and what we were telling them where we were going to take them mm-hmm. you know they believed in the hope that we would get there and they helped us get there and so you want them to experience that you know sure. I've, I've been blessed man to you know to be able to get on that stage to be the four final fours to, to win in that and, and there's no other greater feeling than that first game when you get out there and you know when or that that Sunday when they call your team and you get the matchup and you get that adrenaline rush you know it's the end of the season everybody's is is tired but you get that second boost because because you know okay this is real it's one and done now um you know you could be uh with everything that you put in in that year you you just you're focusing on all those that one weekend to try to just get out of the one weekend to see what what that can create And, and it's it's unbelievable. It's a lot of fun, and I wish that our that our kids would have had that chance, man. Right. You, you talk. You talk about um. You know that that bond that you guys establish, and and every coach I think talks about you know how these these athletes are a part of their family, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Sometimes like the the younger brother, some of these kids look to to their coaches as, as father figures in a lot of cases. Um. But you personally have had a really interesting career from the recruitment side of things. So it's been widely reported and you've been lauded often as being like almost like a master recruiter. I remember reading something many years ago. I, I want to say it was John Calipari that might've said it or you know, somebody in the UK camp um, about how dependent they were at your ability to recruit people nationally. Um, First and foremost, is that accurate? Like, have you heard that previously? I want to make sure my, my sources are, are correct. You're too humble. You're not going to say it. You're going to be humble. You're going to be humble. All right. Listen. Well, I, well I, fuck I, you I, very I, much. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that would have been me. I'd have been like, hell yeah. 
<laughs> that was wild, man. But 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 like you do you do have a connect you you build a genuine connection. That's that's what it seems like. I've never spoken to a player you've recruited, but that's what um, reports have insinuated. Um, where does that come from? Because recruiting is a part of every coach's you know duties, right? Um, yeah. But I don't know if it's something that you just are passionate about doing, like. Can you take us through kind of how your approach is and like why you're successful at it? Well, rec- recruiting is um, is building relationships, man. It's um, you know we're we're in a fortunate position that um, we get the chance to extend the ladder to help try to bring up kids that are similar to us. You know, I had Coach DeCesa, uh do that for me. You know, in terms of what he invested in me and our guys at St. Ray's to be able to put us in position, you know, cause that was our foundation, you know, the hard work that we did there at St. Ray's with him was the foundation that he gave us to go and succeed at the college level and, and beyond. Um, and then we, I, I was fortunate to have a lot of great coaches and, and um, playing with the Globetrotters and traveling the world and, and doing all those great things. And then at, you know, at one point you, you grow up and you say, man, I've been blessed. And now what do I do with that? Now it's time to right. get back and, um, and how can I do that? How can I best impact kids, um, like me and, and share those experiences with them to help them to see where they can go. And so when you, when you look at it that way and you approach it that way and you're, you're able to connect with people on a different level, um, and you know, you got to communicate to let them know first, you got to help them put their guards down say, look, I'm here for you. I'm trying, I'm trying to share my experience so that you can go do some great things. Because that's my calling now. That's mm-hmm. that's what I've been fortunate and blessed to do. And and for me to hold on to that experience and be selfish with it instead of trying to share it, um, it wasn't something that we learned at St. Raymond's. When you win, you learn about sacrificing. You learn about sharing. You learn about um, being a part of a team and how that elevates everybody. That's why you see we've had so many players that come through St. Ray's that I've been in the coaching ranks. It's at all levels. Yeah. And it started, it started, it started with, with, with Gary DeCesa. It started with him and, and as crazy as he was and as, and, and as, uh, <laughs> as, as great, as crazy as my man Scott the B was, they, they impacted us in a way that, um, you know, it has served us, you know, for over 30 years now, man. Yo, you know, uh, um, first of all, big shout out to Gary Nasiza. We got to get him on the show at some point. So, you know, what I mean, big shout out to you, sir. I'm, I'm, um, wait, yeah. I'm waiting until we can. We'll get, hit. I'll get, I'll get him on now. But you're going. I mean, obviously, the good thing is that it's on a podcast because Matt bombs. He's gonna, he's gonna all kind of craziness. No, that's great. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, we need all that craziness. But, Let me fired up. The but, man was white, and he's. By the time you 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 saw him, he was red. He was white and yeah. red. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the man we, never stood white. We got to do that one live though. That one has to be in the room with him because I need to, I need all that energy for for the actual yeah. pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, man, I'm gonna tell you why. Because if you try to get him on any kind of uh, 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 um, Skype or Zoom, or you can forget it's not, about it's it. It's not happening. It's a it's a wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a wrap. That ain't we, happening. We don't spend an hour looking for the button and the computer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Gary's gonna yeah, scream. Yeah. Man, he saw how bad it was with me. I had my daughter trying to help me with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, no. I was I was gonna let that go. I wasn't gonna get on you, but nah, you you nah. you told on yourself. Know, you a real one, yo. I would have been like, ah, that wasn't me. 
Yo, I have a question. I have a question because um, for me, it's very, very unique to, to see a Latino man um, join the, the, the ranks of the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, yeah. And for me, like growing up, just hearing that, like, first of all, all your success in St. Raymond and then after in Pitt, my question to you is, when did the, the Harlem Globetrotter thing come into play for you? Was that something you had an ambition to, to pursue at some point early in your life? Or hell just... no. Who, th who thinks about that, kid? <laughs> no, certainly. <laughs> uh, hell no. I, I, I was, uh, honestly, <laughs> man. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> the, the, way, the way it came about was really, really unique. And um, I was surprised because... You know, you get into your senior year, and I had a, I had a solid college career, and you start worrying about um, what those next opportunities are going to be. Um, you know, we didn't win enough that I was going to be a definitely a definite draft pick, or um, you know, be going to a camp or anything like that. So it was a matter of trying to figure out what the next step was. And then for me, I had promised my mom that before I did anything, that I would I would get my degree. Damn straight. And I still had. I still had 18 credits to graduate. I didn't have anything concrete. I had a couple deals overseas to try out for some teams. And I just said, all right, nothing is, nothing is, nothing is real. I'm going to stay back. I'm going to take this extra semester of, of, um, of classes, graduate, and then see what happens in December. Because those same opportunities were going to be available to go overseas or, you know what I mean, maybe go overseas for a year and then see if I can get into an NBA camp or whatever. So... <laughs> I come back. Um, meantime, during the summers, I was going in and playing down in Puerto Rico in the pro league in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So, you know, I was I was doing okay for myself there. And then um, I decided to, to finish up my degree. I get a call uh, two weeks before finals. And the guy says, hey, man, we're looking, we're looking for someone with your size, your ability to play multiple positions. We want to invite you to a camp out in Phoenix because at the time, the Globetrotter offices were out in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. And I, which is I ironic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, I know, I know, if you know your history, you know that the Harlem Globetrotters weren't even really affiliated with Harlem. I think they no. came out of Chicago originally or something like that. Right, right. right. Abe Saperstein was, was right. a guy that started it in Chicago, and he named it the Harlem Globetrotters because he wanted everyone to know that they were African-American, and that was during the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. And mm. so... It was all marketing. Marketing genius. Marketing genius, right. Because right. they hadn't left the state of Illinois. They were just traveling around the state of Illinois. And right. it made it sound like, you know, they were traveling all over the world and they hadn't left the state. But <laughs> so, the, so I get the call and I'm like, you sure you got the right kid, man? I'm, you know, I, I, I was, I wasn't flashy. I played hard. I was enthusiastic. You know what I mean? I could shoot a little bit. I handled a little bit. I played inside, played outside. But I wasn't, I wasn't doing them tricks. And I'm like, you, you sure you don't want to be talking to Jerry McCullough or somebody else? <laughs> you and said that? That's, that's facts. Wow. And, I'm like, and he's like, he's like, no, nah, we just, you know, we need somebody with your personality and your ability to play multiple positions. And I'm like, okay, um, when do you want me to come out there? And they were like, you know, the week of December, it was like December 16th, 17th, 18th. And I'm like, it's tough. I can't, man. That's finals, kid. Yeah. That's finals. I can't. And so the guy said, all right. Boom, hung up. Two days later, he calls me back. He said, the owner of the team really appreciates what you're trying to do. Would you be willing to come in and, and try out while we're in Pittsburgh? 
So the U.S. tour usually started out in Pittsburgh December 25th or the 26th. Oh, wow. So I said, all right, I'll get done the 18th. That'd give me like, you know, a couple of days to try to get in some kind of shape. Because I wasn't doing nothing. I was, you know what I mean? I was trying to finish up 18 credits. You were in the books. Right. You know, and, right. and, at, the, and, at, and at the time I wasn't, you know, I wasn't dating my, my now wife. Was but then my girlfriend? We were, we you know we had broken up and all this, so I had to I had to go do eighteen credits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a full. That's uh, about, for those that never went to college. Like that's like a real full time. Like you you really right. grinded. Yeah, you that's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. That's a, that's a lot. Senior year, you're trying to find out. You know, it's a lot of papers, a lot of reading. So long story long, they come in. <laughs> they come in on the twenty fourth of december they invite me to to workouts i graduate i finish up my finals i go try out they invite me back on the 25th to come again and then on the 26th i play my first game with the globe trotters you know Damn. as the first latino to, you know to ever play yeah so, so, yeah, so that, that gotta so, be a round of applause yeah brother. yeah you're right about that that's true yeah cue that <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, our our applause people they uh they kind of go on strike every now and again so you gotta yeah, 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 like, they, you know they, they keeping their social distancing yeah 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 so they they, so they, they miss their cues Yo, sometimes that's that's your second joke that's just that's it, that's it that's it that's it that's it I don't know I think my quota for the week is like three so you know I, mean? I get the best of it wait so so does the nickname Hurricane come from the Globetrotters or was that something before? Now that came from the Globetrotters, okay. and it was on. Um, it was the second year I was with the team. Um, I missed the hardest three days of training camp because I was down in DR, oh. and they got hit with a hurricane. Okay, and so the airport got shut down. Oh so, my god! And I'm like, yo, I can't make it. You know, the time the the uh, training camp was in at Disney World, and. Um, at the ESPN Sportsplex. And so I was like, yo, I can't make it. They shut the airport down. I can't get there. So when I got there three days later, I had, they had already passed cuts and all that. I missed all the hard stuff. They were like, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. The, owner of the, the, the owner of the team called me Hurricane. So he said, it makes make sense. Orlando, Antigua, Dominican, Caribbean, right. you know, all that. So. Yo, but since, you, but, but, but since then, I've been downgraded to a tropical depression. That's, like third one. that's it. That's it. I'm out. I'm done. Yo, yo, you know what's so funny? The whole time my brother asked you that, I was thinking in my head, I bet you this story of you being a hurricane has nothing to do with anything on the court. <laughs> nah, nah. They, they spun it right. They, you know, they did the marketing thing and the way I played, whatever. But yeah, nah, it was just because of that. It was because I was late. That's funny. That's funny. funny. So, so I want to. I want. Can I take it back a sec? Because um. <laughs> I, I want to get back to, I think it was 1988 was a, was a big year for you um, on probably many levels, but in particular, there was, there was some serious trauma. Um, and yeah. from what I read, it was Halloween. Uh, mm -hmm. And from what I gather, it was Fordham road. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you Fordham outside in the Fordham in, in, in the concourse. Fordham in the concourse. Okay, so damn. All right, so Alexander's at the time was that over there? No, 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 no. It was oh. it was actually um, Newmark and Lewis, which was down right down the road across from the Lowe's movie theater. Okay, it was kind of perpendicular to the Lowe's. Got it. It was a little spot on the corner. It was like one 
It was like 187th Street over there. Got it. So, yeah. so take us through that night because, um, you know, it culminates in you getting shot uh, in the head yeah. of all places. Yeah. Um, but what led up to that? Like, how did that transpire? You, I've read a few different things, and I'm, I'm still not quite sure. Like, well, obviously, I don't know the backstory because this is our first mm -hmm. time actually having this conversation. But uh, I'd like to just the genesis of how all of that actually took place. Well, um, so it was Halloween, and, and my boy and I, Juan, were, um, we were on the block messing around, and then some, some couple guys from the neighborhood started chasing he and I. So we cut, we went, we wound up running through, and then we wound up uh, on the concourse, and we were walking down by the movie theater. Yeah. So as we're walking down, we look across the street, and we see a group of people, like a bunch of people in front of the store. Um, looked like they were arguing. So we get nosy. We go over there to see what's happening. Um, and it looked like they were, it, they were um, three kids and uh, uh, two security guards and a guy that was like in a maintenance outfit. And behind them in front of the store were three other guys that were in, you know, polos and khakis with their hands in their pockets. Mm -hmm. So there's a big group on the corner right there. Everybody, you know, some girls, was chirping, they're arguing, people arguing, we're watching. And all of a sudden, someone throws an egg Oh, at the, guy, at the guys that in are standing in the back. Yeah, in the khakis. <clears throat> so the dudes move and hits the glass, pow, and they start looking. I'm looking right at the one dude. He pulls out of his pocket, boom, looks at me, shoots me. Wow. Like that. Pulls real it, real fast just, like that. Just real fast. And... So my boy was standing on the hood of the car. I had a foot on the bumper of the car. Um, just, just so I could see there were so many people in between. So when he, when he shoots me, everybody starts scattering, starts running. I hit the hood of the car. I get up. I'm like, yo, one, one. He shot me. He shot me, man. And he moves my hand. I had on, I had on a hoodie like yours. And he moves, he moves my hoodie. And then all the blood just starts pouring out. So oh. I start panicking. And you're conscious. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still, wow. I'm still awake. I run up, I run up to the guy. I said, "Mister, Mister, why you shoot me? Why shoot me?" Pushes me back. They run in the store. They pull down the gate. Everybody's running. I see a police officer. He's coming down. I said, "Officer, officer, man, shot me. Man, shot me." The dude hits me with his nice, nice stick. Breaks my collarbone. Get the fuck what? out of here! And keeps running. So I get up. I'm panicking. I go, I, I start leaning on the gate uh, in the store next door. Had these, these couple girls came over to me. They were checking on me. Then Juan comes over and he's checking on me. And then another police officer comes and he's like, um, I said, man, just shot me officer. Man, shot me off. He gets on the walkie talkie. He's saying something. I hear an ambulance coming and I look up and the ambulance is coming towards uh, Fordham. So I get up, I run, I run out in the street. I wave it down. Boom. And then I get in, I get in the ambulance. <laughs> and they took me. They took me in the ambulance. Time out. Time out. So time where, out. Where, where is that? Where is that? It went, went right here, right by my left eye. You can't see oh. glass, but right, right here. It went in this way. So. Oh my God. I'm in. I'm in the ambulance, and I'm. Um. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, I'm not closing my eyes. I'm not closing my eyes. All I can hear is the the pet, the, the people. Saying, Hello. Yeah, he's got a gunshot wound. Entry. No exit. Um, so they put this big old IV in me and they start pumping me and just, they put the neck brace on me and trying to keep me still. 
Um, and I just told Juan, I said, Juan, tell my moms I'm not dead. Tell her I'm not dead. Yeah. So they get me to the hospital and, um, you know, I'm, I'm 14 years old. So oh. they got to put me in the, in the kids section. Yeah. But I'm six, four at the time, six, five. <laughs> I can't put in no beds. None of that, man. They had, to <laughs> have me in the, they had me in the hallway for hours and hours, kid. And so, um, you know, they set. I was there for like three or four days. They had me set to get operated on twice, um, but the specialist decided that they it never penetrated my skull. It was always in, in muscle and soft tissue. Wow! And so they they decided to leave it in. They said the body would later on Rejected. push it to a yeah push it to a place where it can be uh, easily extracted. And so um that's you know exactly what happened i was able to go back to school and, and all out two at, months at the time yeah at the time no i wasn't even two months it was like two weeks damn so at the time i was just scared that the doctor were going to say yo that's it you can never play you're done i had just started playing basketball organized basketball before that i was a you know like a lot of dominican kids i was a baseball player i played baseball and, and I, I sucked yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, another um, thing, another thing you could have left out. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, Harris Field. Love playing at Harris Field. Uh, <laughs> then I started playing basketball, and I started stretching out, and I fell in love with the game. And so, you know, I played hard. I rebounded. I couldn't do anything with the ball, and you know, people saw something in in the way I played that they gave me an opportunity to go. You know, go get a scholarship to go to St. Ray's. And I had just started at St. Ray's that September. Right. So it was you know a month I mean? in, so, you get shot. Yeah. So, you know, it's crazy, man. Why you know, Why? Why only two weeks, though? Is it because you felt better already or what? Yeah, honestly, they didn't even stitch me up. They put a Band-Aid on. They waited till the swelling went down. They, they had the specialists come in. Um, in the process of me talking to the doctors, the bullet moved from my temple to some soft tissue behind um, in my head. So they, they just didn't think it was, they thought if they tried to go in, it was like a splinter. They could do more damage trying to get it out than leaving it in and then later the body pushing it to a place where it can be taken out. That's oh, so, so let's, let's, so, let's fast forward just to, just to end this piece of it. So, so to, right. at this moment in time, you don't have the bullet in your head anymore. You were playing right. professionally in Puerto Rico, like you mentioned, and all of yeah. a sudden, I guess during a game, you have an earache. Is that is that how? So, it so six years after that, I'm in I'm in PR. I'm playing, and I'm at actually I got this. You know, I'm cleaning out my ears. I've got you know I've got pretty pretty decent sized ears. I had a smaller <laughs> head, you know, back then before I grew into it. So I got I got to make sure I keep it clean, keep them clean. I went through a box of Q-tips. <laughs> Like 150 of them joints, and God, yeah, it was just coming out. It was you know blood and pus, and I'm like, oh, you know, I go to the owner of the team, who's a doc. I said, Doctor, Doctor Bicarondo, I said, Doc, I need something, yo. He gave me some antibiotics. The antibiotics didn't work, so I finally called my trainer back at Pitt. And I said, Tone, I'm getting his headaches. I got all this blood and pus coming out. He's like, Get on a plane and come back. Mm. So. I said, I asked the doc, when can I travel? I had to wait. Uh, I had to wait a week before I could travel once the antibiotics got in my system. And then so I get back to Pittsburgh and then I go see the specialist. And he set up the meeting for me and I go in and he goes, uh, 
have you had any any head trauma? And I said, yeah, I got, I got shot about six years ago. He goes, uh, yep, I think that's the bullet. Oh. So I could literally stick my finger in my ear and I could feel it. So it, it had moved it had moved into the soft tissue inside my ear. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, so that's where it was at. So like, you know, um, so the doc said, all right, we're going to get the x-rays, the MRI. They have to wait a couple hours to get that stuff. And then we say, we're going to try to take it out. If it's too painful, then we'll bring you back tomorrow and we'll get your surgery. So we sat there, took about an hour and a half, and they literally pulled it out of my ear canal. They just pulled the bullet out of my ear canal. So they didn't have to do surgery. Maybe a minor incision. No surgery. Nothing. Nothing, man. It was the best ear orgasm you could have. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now now I can relate. Now I can relate. Because when I get that Q-tip in there in the right spot, oh, shit. The only thing is they were pulling my joint up and down, trying to move it and relocate it. They just literally just just pull it out of my air canal. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. They um, they messed you up with your nickname. You should have been called Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, they called me Bullethead and all that. (laughs) I was going to say, yo, I was... Yo, that ass, I was going to call you Bullhead, but I didn't want to be insensitive. So I was like, I'm pushing it. I said, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Manny, when did Emo get sensitive? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, no. Yo, yo, as soon as, soon no, as you said, as, as, as soon as you said Bullethead, I thought of Mario Brothers. You know the bullets that you yeah. about? That's what I thought. <laughs> We're gonna get you a Bullethead T-shirt. Don't worry about it. No, yeah, yeah. no, but they were seriously calling you Bullethead. They did, they did, cool. man. You got some articles and all that, and you know. Yes, I mean, Caesar used to mess. Caesar used to mess with me. He's talking about maybe now you're faster, you're unleaded. Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know you know, you know them dudes ain't you know book, you know book and Terrence and Carl Green. They yeah. they won't take, they won't pull in no punches. Those nah. my brothers yeah. said they were going, they were going to take their shots. I mean, no, you got no, to no, I, no pun intended. I, <laughs> <laughs> after after you know you're good, you yeah, it's it's so yeah, yeah, it's, it's all gravy. Yeah, everybody's getting it. Yeah. Oh my so, god! My, my thing about it is like when you were 14, and the doctor saw that it was moving into your softer tissue. Yeah, wouldn't it have been grounds then? Because it had already moved for them to do a surgery there, or they were like, well, still- it, had, it took six years for it to move into the soft tissue in my ear. Okay, so it, it where it was located at at first, so when it where it went in the entry wound, so it was in the muscle right there, right by my temple. So that's where it was at for a while, and they were scared that if they try to cut me open, that they could damage my eyesight or my hearing, which becomes then a different problem for the doctors and the, you know getting right. sued and all that. So right. they just said, you know. As long as it's not bothering him, his eyesight is fine. You know, besides the swelling in my eye and, and the burning of the, you know, the gunpowder on my face, it was, you know, I was just waiting for that to go down and it was, it was, I was straight. So you never felt anything like anything at all with respect to the bullet and you from the six years? No, nah, no, nah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I used to have terrible migraines, kid. I used to be, oh. you know, when I had the bullet in it, it would hit me every now and again, I would get a migraine and... I would have to literally shut everything down. I couldn't see light. I couldn't hear anything. I had to get the pillows mm. and, and just cover my head up and, and then try to sleep, man. I, you know, try to take sleeping medicine just to, just to get knocked out so that I can deal with the pain. But, uh, you know, that didn't happen a lot, but it, it, you know, when it hit, it was, it was, it was a problem, man. It was shutting down, shutting down. Wow. Bro. So, so, so let's, let's, yo. let's focus a little bit on your, on your St. Raymond days, right? Um, so after all of this, um, you're, you're kind of a celebrity. You've been in the newspaper. There's been a lot of, you know, 
media attention for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how how is it from uh, just getting back into the St. Raymond kind of routine? Because uh, you know you're out of you basically come back after the new year, I assume, right? After all this is said and done, nah, nah. You it was literally two weeks. Yeah, it was two weeks. It was in October. I'm over here. Tra- I'm over here trying so, to give you some grace period. You're not taking it. No, no, no. It, wasn't no it wasn't no grace. The season wasn't worried about no grace. He's like, he can play. He's all right. We'll get his behind back to school. You know, we're good. Yo, wait, wait. Can I Can I just, I just want to interrupt real quick and share a quick story, and then we'll get right back to it, because I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. I went high me, right? So I was, I'm working with high me and stuff. We work together. And um, we coming out, and you got a boy named Leo. We walking out. Leo lives in, in Manhattan. They both live in Manhattan, right? right. So I'm telling, I'm telling y'all I live in the Bronx. Leo, where in the Bronx? Or, you know, I, I tell him about Pelham Parkway. Now, in Leo's head, he's thinking Fordham Road. For some reason, right. he's thinking Fordham Road. This man going to tell me, he go, yo, Fordham Road. Yo, Fordham, yo, the Bronx look like New York in the 80s right now. Damn. <laughs> they like 1980. <laughs> So when you said when when you said that story, I'm thinking, Coño, in the '80s was tough because what you just went through happened in the '80s and happened yes. in the Bronx. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, you survived that climate where you know we talk about the crack epidemic and a lot of things that went on, bro. Like oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was rough. Like, it was rough. You, you know what I'm saying? Like right now, I'm gaining a better appreciation for the toughness that you had to be and endure at a time yeah. when, like, yeah, we talk about it. But you actually went through it for real, and like yeah, Alexander's and RKO, the RKO yeah. and all that. You know what I mean? That yeah. was that was right around there. That's wow, that's crazy. Damn, yeah, man. <laughs> so, it was it was it was it was rough. It was rough, but it was all relative, man. We didn't know no better. We just knew we had to survive, man. You know, that's real. That's real. <clears throat> um, you know, it just. So, so you talk you talk about T Wrench. You talk about Book Richardson. You talk. You played in an era. That produce, like you said earlier, a lot of college coaches. Um, so mm-hmm. those names right there, uh, you now know, have been affiliated with college coaching at some level, um, and many more cats um, before. I'm sorry, after. Well, yeah, before Chucky Martin, and after Chucky Martin, yeah. Um, but but that era of basketball kind of, I say to a large extent define the legacy of what we now know as St. Raymond basketball because you know much much praise to Chucky and his cohort of cats but in reality they were just kind of reaching some sort of status when when he was playing because really it was like Talentine was a powerhouse you know uh you know tons of other schools St. Raymond was really not on the map yet when you guys formed that group you guys took it to another level, right? Um, yeah. How was that process? Because I know, you know, Gary D gets talked about a lot, um, favorably and unfavorably by a lot of people, but I think the general consensus is the guy is a mastermind coach um, and knows how to get the most out of his players on, on many different levels. What do, you, what do you give credit to as far as your guys' ability to really take St. Raymond to, to another level? Um, honestly, it, it, it was the, the foundation that, you know, the Gary Massey, the Dow Reeves, the Chuck Martin, the Ed Rivera, um, the Walter Fredericks, all them other dudes that came before us that, you know, that they established, we were able to just take it up another notch because 
they had, you know, St. Ray's had just started playing at that level. They were the bottom of the league then. We were sophomores, and as as we started on varsity as sophomores, you know, it wasn't easy, man. Like you said, all them teams, the, the Christ the Kings, the Talentines, the Hayes, they were all stacked. And we took our lumps, man. We took our lumps, but, you know, coach kept us working. Coach kept us together. He kept us, you know, safe. Um, he kept us in the gym. And <clears throat> because the fabric of the character of the kids that we had, you know, we were able to, to as much at times we hated him and wanted to fight him. You know what I mean? Cause they, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I can um, imagine. It, it, it just, it, it, it solidified us, man. It hardened us. It, it made us tougher. It made us gritty. It made, it allowed us to weather the, all that stuff and, and to be able to take St. Ray's from a team that, you know, that was getting killed to being the number one team in the country by the time we were seniors. Wow. You, you know what? Let me tell you something. First of all, like, so like when I was younger, when we first started going to St. Raymond, I would, I knew of you, of course, you know what I mean? Because your history speaks for itself. But, like, seeing your jersey at St. Raymond, I was like, wow. Like, it's like, you were actually, before they started putting up, like, wow, crazy jerseys all over the place, you were, like, one of the few jerseys up up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, even when I was a kid, but even before all the, the hoop, like, where St. Raymond is now, as far as, because, you know, Nike invested $2 million in them, I saw you. And I always thought to myself, damn, like, you were, like, one of the originators as far as, like, putting it, St. Raymond on the map and a lot of players now get a great get gain a greater appreciation for St. Raymond because of people like you I want to know like did you feel any added pressure at the time like to kind of make St. Raymond a household name or were you just getting worked on by the season so much that y'all was just that was bound to be successful at some point nah man the pressure the honesty the, pr the pressure was to survive those times you know everybody right. came from rough backgrounds you know bunkers of clay and and, you know, and T Ranch and Tyler and Dana Dingle and Danny Basil and, you know, Frank Terrell. And uh, even before that, my cousin Miguel Rodriguez and, and mm. John Mahoney, you know, we were coming from rough areas. So, you know, we were in a safe place. We were doing something positive in terms of, you know, playing a sport that we loved. And we spent a lot of time there. So the season was really smart. Obviously, we had to practice after we had to practice after school. Um, but he, what he also did was. <clears throat> He made us do individual work after practice. So mm -hmm. the practice was a couple hours. And then after practice, I was doing extra work. T. Wrench was doing extra work. Uh, and, and so we were in the gym till 8, 9 o'clock. Wow. We exhausted. But now I got to take a two-hour bus ride, an hour and a half bus ride. By the time I get home, man, I'm going straight to bed. I need something to eat. I need to wash. And, you know, to get up early in the morning at 5, 36 in the morning and try to do it again. So it helped us stay off the streets. It helped us not to get involved with a lot of the stuff that was in our neighborhoods. And, you know, um, I, I think in that regard, it was genius in what he was doing with us. Aside, aside from us, aside from us becoming better individual basketball players sure. by putting extra time and learning how to work, um, mm -hmm. it kept us safe. That is, yo, that is, I, I just want to say, like, because we, we've had so many former St. Raymond uh, alumni come on this show and, and podcast yeah. and talk glowingly about the season. And, you know, for me, I can't speak for my brother. I speak for myself. I only saw objectively, you know what I mean? I only saw like yeah. from the bench and him being, you know, the screamer, the yeller. I got to say, and he was all, and he was all of that. He was right. All of that. Right. <laughs> right. So, I, but I didn't get, you know, it's funny because until we started dribbling dimes, I didn't get the perspective 
like that I'm getting now, like from you guys. Right. Like I, I right. couldn't appreciate this either from the outside like I am now. Like, damn, like right. he did so many great things for you, which I'm blessed to hear, you know, because at the time right. I was like, damn, this guy, un desgraciado, he's a bastard, you know. But yeah. I, I didn't know any better because, you know, we only saw that. So I just I just want to say, like, so as far as that, as far as him being a coach, what went in as far as how he taught you? What did you take, if at all, anything from you being a coach one day? Did you want to be a coach because he, he coached you? Or was it just one that, you know, it happened, just happened by circumstance? No, I, I think I grew into that. I think it was more of, um, you know, you, you're not thinking that you're, you grow up as you, you want to try to see how far basketball can take you. For me, it was going to, my, my initial goal, because I was a late starter in playing, was to see first it was to get you know i got a, a scholarship i didn't even know i was going to kennedy i was going to public school i was like you know oh i can get a scholarship to go to catholic school shoot and get better education all right i'm in for that and then That's you awesome. start playing and then they start saying you can get a scholarship to go to college mm, you know? I'm, I'm with it yeah i'm good all right and, and, <laughs> you know they, they're asking my mom about recruiting and all this she's like what huh who, who? <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, are you are you eating? Are you safe? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Just keep going about your business. She That's all she cared about. Right. And, and so I didn't get the bug to feel like until I got to college, and I really enjoyed the schemes and the thinking, the philosophy. Like you know, Jaime and I on the t at pit, we were talking Spanish, uh, and then we would throw each other jabs and start talking to people like, "Yo." <laughs> Box out, he's a 7% free throw shooter. And dudes be like, damn, I ain't that bad a free throw shooter, 7%. You know, just to try to, to, try, to try to get in people's heads. And right. that's the whole, the, the whole strategy behind that. Uh, oh, never so did, yeah, ne never did I think that, um, that this is what it would lead to. And it just kind of manifested itself that way. And, right. You know, we, we, we learned so much from him about work ethic and hard work and what sacrifice looks like and that it, it, it benefited all of us to, to, you know, even these years. Yeah. I just want to touch on it real, real quick because I know Jaime's a clown and just judging off your three jokes. I know you got it in you too. <laughs> Pause. yo. <laughs> I can't escape one with you. Yo, you got, yo, you, you are too okay. attached to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, Psychologically, I must have got in a lot of people's heads. Pause. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, 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 that was that was it. No, that's that's what my we, we good. <laughs> one pause, one pause for, 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 for conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pero, no, but I, I wonder now that you say that that's because he's a clown to this day, and you got it, and you got that clownness around you. Do you feel like that was something that y'all used all the time, constantly, like to uh, get, you know to get ahead? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and that started back to St. Ray's, you know, when, when you got two of the most smartest, wittiest dudes and T. Wrencher and, and Book, you know, uh, them dudes got jokes for days and you're constantly around that. You you, le you learn how to pick that stuff up, man. And, you know, That's dope. Uh, the other thing is, you know, Carl Green, who was another guy that, that yeah. you know, was, was from Harlem and uh, was really quick with it like that. And so, you know, you sharpen each iron sharpens iron. You sharpen each other, you build that up and something that just comes natural. So Ham's from New York, you know, Dominican and you know, he yeah, it's a lobby he got he, you know he's oh. Yo, for real. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. That dude that, so, stop. that dude ain't yeah, got yeah, he yeah. ain't got no molas no more. Toda la muela se le cayeron. Nah, 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 <laughs> he's, the, he's the best. He's the best that he is. Good, you know? <laughs> yes. I, 
Yo, um, I, ain't got, I ain't got it like that. I just you know, I, I dip and dab a little bit. That's nah, yo, get nah, out, get, get, get nah. out. Well, what I learned about you is you mad modest and humble, so I don't take that. <laughs> You're like, no, I, I don't want to bribe, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty much a big deal. You <laughs> nah. man, yo, bro, you did it all. Like, shit, gloat yeah. about it. I'm, I'm gloating for you if you're not going to gloat. But uh, nah. I know you got to forgive me for what I'm about to say because I'm, I'm the kind of, I kind of am rambunctious. I'm kind of all over the place. My brother's more chronological order, so. If this yeah. thing is out of order, it's on me because I, I kind of like I go with what I'm, I'm inspired to say at the time. Um, yeah. I know. I, so my quick question is like, as far as you guys as a conglomerate in St. Raymond, you as a team now, you guys are seasoned, you guys mm -hmm. feel you know confident. Where did you guys at the time? Did you guys feel like yo, we can really compete here and be like? When did that hit start hitting you? You were a sophomore, but when did it start hitting you that you guys are a serious team that you guys can do something special, if at all? Like, did that ever? Was that ever around? Uh, you know, I can't. I can't pinpoint the exact point. I just knew that that the feeling after our sophomore year. I mean, it was probably the hardest we worked that summer before. Um, we're practicing at St. Ray's and getting used to, and then we're we're everybody's got these accolades, um, you know. And so we're thinking we're pretty good. We're sophomores. We're gonna start. We're playing, and then we getting slapped, kid. We were getting <laughs> smacked, and then it was so humbling that we were just like. Um, you know, we got to work harder. And so that fueled us. And, you know, we fueled each other. We, we kept challenging each other, kept checking each other, keep going, kept going at each other to get better. And, and, uh, you know, so that grew and that grew. And then when you, when you work that hard, you built, you built that self-confidence because you know, ain't nobody working as hard like we are. Mm. And so then you, you get a chance to do a little bit of traveling like we did. And the season was iconic in terms of, having that vision to take us out of New York to go and play in, you know, in Birmingham, to go to Alaska, to go to Hawaii, to go to San Diego, wow. to go to all the places that we got a chance to go to, you know? Wow. Um, and then you start seeing playing against people from across the country and you're just like, all right, okay. You're learning, you're growing, you fit, you get confidence and your, your individual confidence and your confidence as a group. Um, you know, and, you, and so you start, you start doing that and, you know, you get back and you start beating teams that you're not supposed to beat, mm. you know, as juniors. And then senior year, man, you know, we, we were ready to rock and roll, man. We were ready to hand, we were ready to hand back all the ass whoopers we got. We were ready to hand back. <laughs> we like, Toma! Man, we got some for you. We got some for you. We got some for you, man. I get, I get, I got to make sure I give my shout out to my man too, Ty Mushad. I don't know if you guys have talked to Ty. Nah, not yet. Tyrone Mushad was another one unheralded teammate of ours, man, that that uh, was a great piece uh, for our team and helped us to have a lot of success. And, you know, Ty's done, doing great for himself right now, too. And, you know, he was also in coaching for a little while. and uh, But he was also a great teammate that, you know, that was part of that whole group. Damn. That's dope. Shout out to you, yeah. Ty. Word. Yeah. So, so you – you get to a point in your high school career, obviously, you know, after your senior year or, or throughout your senior year, you, you're getting recruitment letters, right? Um, the reality of you obtaining a college scholarship is now setting in. You're seeing that bear fruit. Who were some of the schools that were after you before you decided to settle on Pitt? Before, before I get to that, right? Yeah. Now we didn't get any of those letters. The Caesar kept all those letters. Okay, uh, I've heard. I've heard of this. Yes. <laughs> so, 
so Book and T. Wrencher would always try to figure out a way to figure out who was recruiting who, and they would figure out a way to get in coach's office and look at the letters. Yo, you getting this letter? Yo, you getting this letter? So <laughs> I had no idea, man. I didn't know. You know, they used to, the guys used to call me Ronnie Cycli because they said I look like Ronnie Cycli from, from <laughs> I Syracuse see that. I see that. <laughs> So yeah, you do look like Ronnie Sykes. God damn. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was that was that was my nickname then, and and uh, I didn't know. I, I was a big fan of Syracuse at the time because of that, and and you know Sherman Douglas and them, them dudes throwing alley oops and the way they were playing. But I wasn't as astute or informed about colleges like Book and Terrence uh, how they how they were. They followed the game. Right. I was still too young in the in the whole process, and so I, I, you know, I was getting recruited by a lot of different schools, man, and and you know, I visited. Obviously, I visited Pitt, I visited Wake Forest, I visited Rutgers. Um, I was supposed to visit Florida, and um, I was going to visit Kentucky. And Kentucky was a school that Mashburn was at, Andre Riddick was at at the time. Wow, and you know the season brought us in, and said, there's a school that is recruiting isn't recruiting you that you like, and I had no idea. Terrence said Texas, and you know that that whole deal. I think he went into that in his podcast a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, and for me, I was going to go visit Kentucky, and I got a call back from Herb Sinbeck, who was the assistant at the time, and he said, "Oh, um, Amino Timberlake took the last scholarship." We don't have a scholarship. You can still come on a visit if you want, but we don't have a scholarship for you. Wow. And I said, nah, coach, I appreciate that. And then I went and visited Wake Forest mm-hmm. um, with you know Roddy Rogers and wow. they had that group. They had that crew. Um Dope. and then, then I went and visited Pitt. Um and Pitt was had gave me the city life. It gave me the city feel. They had, you know, Jerry McCullough had had committed. Eric Mobley was already there. He was also, you know, Bronx guy. Yep. Um, it was far enough from New York. I knew I needed, I wanted to get away from the city, um, but I needed to be close enough to get back because of my brothers and my yep. mom. And, you know, honestly, I would have wound up going to Rutgers if Rutgers was in the Big East at the time. Mm. And so they did a great job of recruiting me. It was, it was far enough, you know, out of New Burnswick that I can feel like I was away, but get back and, yeah, that by, by the way, that so shit wanna, that shit is far. Like yeah, you cross GW enough. and you still like an hour and some change away. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah, far. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you know, wanna wanna choose and pit and, and uh you know it was a it was a, it was a great situation for me. Hold on a second. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so Yo. you sound you sound like a dog, bro. I didn't want to say nothing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bark like a big dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, nobody in this house respects me. Nobody. I'm like mighty dangerous. I get no respect. No respect. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> we gotta get you a new bark though. That bark is not manly. I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's something. There's something that we glossed over. Um, that I actually do want to talk about uh a little bit and it's um so i don't know exactly what the period was but i know it was i think before you got settled into college uh, you and your family experienced homelessness for for yeah. a stretch um take us through kind of how that happened and what what period in your life that actually took place that actually was my senior year at st ray's so 
while I was getting recruited and all this stuff, um, you know, our family fell on some hardships and um, I had to, we had to, we got evicted yeah. from our apartment. Um, I had to live, went, moved in with one of my boys, uh, Lenny, and uh, and his mom, Mildred, God rest his soul. Um, and my brothers, my mom went, lived with a friend. My brothers went with, with her for a little bit. And so, um, you know, that's another place, another thing that St. Ray's did for our family. Um, during that time, we had we had had the hardship. You know, my mom was going through some stuff, so she needed to get some help. So they helped her with that. And when she got back, you know, they were able to find us an apartment that we could move in. But before that, you know, St. Ray's saw that we were struggling, that we were all apart. And Brother Raymond at the time went to the uh, convent at the St. Raymond's nuns that were over there at the, yeah. by, by the girls' school. Yep. And Castle Hill. They off, yeah, they offered us an opportunity to stay there. Wow. But they needed an adult to stay with us. Mm-hmm. And the Caesar volunteered to stay with us. What? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people didn't know that. Wow. So we would have to, we would have to we went and they had three rooms for us. So we we all sat there and we had to we learned how to make our beds and all that. And the season was tough on us. Then we had to time time it when the kids were coming off the forty bus, so that nobody would see us coming out of the convent. No way! Yeah, yeah. Yo, Yo, how long did you guys stay? Like, how long was we were we were we were there for two months, two and a half months, and then um, then they they were able to find my mom' apartment over right by Castle Hill, and. she was there. She stayed there. She didn't want to move until I finally moved her down when we got down to Florida. You know I mean, so when she, I got down to Florida, I was like, yo, nah, this, she this is your good. stop. She was like, nah, yeah, this is it. You know, I said, yo, yo, took care of me. This is where I need to be. And so she was, you know, you know how they get, they get yeah. in their ways. And yeah. but finally, we were all in Florida. Oliver came down when I became the head coach of South Florida. Um, Oliver came down on the staff and then Omar, my youngest brother was down in Miami. So we like, yo, we're all in Florida, man. You just, you stuck up there. Cold. Yeah. You stuck up there. She was still working So come down. And so she came down, she finally moved down. And now, you know, once we left Florida, you're like, don't yeah, you, you want to go back to New York? No. <laughs> 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 Yo, yeah. you know yo, you need your own show. You, yo, you need your own show, bro. Yeah, that's a beautiful. It's it's a beautiful uh, story. I, I had no idea, um, yeah. kind of the details of that. And so, yeah. so for the Caesar to do that, and I don't know what his family situation. I'm assuming he probably was married at the time, if not, you know, close to. No, nah, no, nah, he was. He wasn't. He did. He was dating his uh, okay. his girl at the time, Pam. Okay. A funny story about that. Just senior year, and so. So the Caesar before the year goes up and tells tells his, his girlfriend at the time that if we win the city championship, then he's gonna propose. He told her that. He told her that before the year. Okay. So we got all kind of pressure from Pam. Yeah. Like, yo, y'all better, <laughs> yo, y'all, better this. y'all better make this happen. <laughs> Pam was not playing. She, she was not playing. She grabbed she grabbed us and told us like I better make this happen. So we get to the city championship and she's looking at us like, 
I'm like, okay, <laughs> we better get some rebounds. We better defend a little better. <laughs> Shout out to Pam. She's the best. Love her to death. Yeah. Yes. So you have two diseases. You have two diseases up your, uh, on your ass to hold that yeah, on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, G-Dogs was not like Pam's heat. Pam's heat was something different. Wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. You we didn't touch on Pitt, man. I, I kind of just want to get an idea for you, your experience in Pitt. You know, I know you say you talked about almost ending up winding up in Rutgers, but yeah. what was the this, like the final blow for you to actually narrow your choice down to Pitt? Well, it came down to um, Paul Evans and John Sarandria at the time. So John Sarandria was the head coach at Talentine, uh, where I was supposed to have originally gone to high school. John Sarandria left Talentine and became a head assistant coach at Pitt. Mm. So when, when he went to Pitt, then um, I went to St. Raymond's and not to Talentine. And so come full circle, now I'm at the point where I can get recruited. I have a great relationship with him. Um, Paul Evans did an unbelievable job of being the head coach that really recruited me. And between him and Dan Wetzel, uh, at Rutgers, they were the ones that did a lot of work and were a lot of games, and I built a relationship with those guys. And so, um, Dan Wilson was the time at the time was with uh, with Rutgers, you know, um, and and he had he had uh, Jeff Van Gundy was an assistant and Eddie Jordan was an assistant. Yeah, yeah, get out of here! That's so, crazy. Um, that's why I wound up choosing Pitt again. The city feel, city life feel. Uh, after gone, after having gone to Wake Forest and visited Wake Forest. Wake Forest was a beautiful campus. It was picturesque. You know, it was a small campus. But for me, it was like coming from the city, it was the sticks, man. I'm like, yo, I can't, I'm not going to be able to survive this. I need some concrete. I need buildings, you know. So Pitt gave me that feel. It was a more urban feel, and which is one of the reasons why I obviously wound up choosing Pittsburgh. Mm. <laughs> so. Yo. And, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, you guys, and, and and I don't know if this is accurate, so I need you to educate me. Um, it felt like you guys were the beginning of kind of this New York to Pittsburgh pipeline, right? Um, you had that group. I know, I think Jaime was a, was there a little before you, right? No, no, no. I was the first one. Oh, you were there first? I recruited all them dudes. Oh. Wow. So, so damn. I so recruit, I recruited Heim. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jerry, Jerry and I are the same class. Yep. And then we recruit. Um, when I say Jerry, I'm talking about Jerry McCullough. Jerry yes. Ice McCullough. Yep. Jerry Ice. Yep. So we, we recruited Heim. And then from there, we wound up recruiting Ricky Greer. We rec obviously, my brother came up. My brother was there. He was Man, a manager. What a squad, yo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yo, y'all need to dig up some footage, man. I need to see some of this, a lot of this footage, man. I haven't seen much tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ain't tapes, man. They real to real. Them things are so old. Yeah. They real to real. The, <laughs> only, the, the only pit footage I see is shout out to Carl Krauser. I see Carl Krauser showing highlights all the time of his time at Pitt. But anything. Magic, magic. Magic. Yeah, one of the like, kids I coached there. Oh, oh, that's dope! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but so. it's it's really it's really so back to back to kind of what we started, right? I mean, you said it. You recruited them cats. 
So, I was just going to touch on that. So you you yeah. was already showcasing your skill set um, probably even before you knew you had it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But again, it was building relationships. You know, you get yeah. you guys to campus and then you show them around. I, I hosted a lot of the guys when they came visited Pitt. Um, you know, so you know, showed them a good time and knew how to connect with them and make sure that they were straight and you know, that was part of it. That was part of that's part, that was part of the teaching and the grooming. I didn't even know I was, you know, I was right, happening. Right. Right. What what was your relationship like prior to um Ricky uh, Greer and Honey Peterson getting to Pittsburgh? Like did you guys play on different teams in the summer, etc. or what 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 was nah, that like? No, no, none. No, none. Heim just knew Heim was a dude from the city, you know, had gone to Brandeis and you know, he had to go to uh, he had to go to prep school and, and Rick went to prep school and so when they came to campus the Dominican cats, the Dominican kids, you know, we connected. You know what I mean? You know how it is. Shit, That's it, dope. You get a few of us together, it's a party. Yo, I, I got, <laughs> I, I got a, I got a serious question for you, right? And I hope I don't get you in trouble with the NCAA. I, I doubt it. Um, I think, and I'm, I know, not because I've heard this, but I know, given you guys who you guys are, you've probably discussed this at some point. Y'all motherfuckers need to get together. And go coach this Dominican national team on some real shit, right? You, Greer, Jaime, I, and I'm sure you got a whole cast of fucking characters that can come together and put together some bad. serious shit. Call, call Coach Cal again. Say, yo, Coach Cal, come back again, bro. Because I know it was you that put his ass in, in, in gear to go coach the team at one point. Right? Um, Y'all motherfuckers need to do that. That, that. Was part, that was part of, the, part of the plan. The plan was that, you know, um, and, and it was great timing with the national team. At the time, the federation uh, allowed for some private um, companies and private uh, folks to take over the senior team. And once they took over the senior team, they were looking to try to bring in someone really respectable and reputable. And so when they reached out to me, you know, I, I had always um, played with the national team. And was always trying to be and stay involved when I got into coaching. Even yeah. when I started at Pitt, I came back. I was with, you know, Keith Smart. I was coaching some of the younger teams. He, uh, I was an assistant at the time. He wanted me to stay with him on the senior team, but I had to get back to school because I, was, I wasn't a coach at that time. I was in operations yeah. at Pitt. And so I've always stayed around the national team and trying to figure out how to help, uh, knowing that, you know, we had a lot of resources and a lot of stuff that we needed to help um, improve the gap between just the, the, the treatment of the players, the, the, the quality of the coaching and all yeah. that stuff. And just sharing again, the knowledge that, you know, we were fortunate to learn. And so, you know, when Cal, uh, when an opportunity comes, I talked to, um, Miguel Bonetti and, and Eduardo Nardi, um, they were the ones that took over the national senior team. And, you know, I talked to Cal, presented to Cal, said, Cal, this is the best team that DR is ever going to have. You're going to have a chance to make it to the Olympics. Um, so he started doing his research, boom, 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 and he decided to do it. But he did it. He said, all right, we're going to do it, but this is, this is how we're going to do it. And this speaks to Cal. He said, I'm going to coach him. Um, we'll try to make the, the, the run. Um, but we're going to have to do some stuff with the younger team, with the younger guys, the younger teams mm. in terms of, which is he put it on me. We got to get them organized, let them so that the trajectory continues for more years than he, than he's going to be there. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. This is your country. This is your people. 
I want to make sure that it, it's going to be run the right way. So wow. <laughs> awesome. that's kind of what he did. So he said, I'm going to coach them this cycle to try to see if we can make it to the Olympics. Then after that, um, we'll see what happens. So we don't make the Olympics, but we make the, the repechaje, which is the, the qualifying tournament again to try mm-hmm. to make it. And we lose to Nigeria mm. at, with a three from Ike Diago. So when he leaves, that was the second time he coached it. When he leaves, he says, all right, uh, I'm going to retire, but I want I want Orlando to coach the team now. So he was prepping me to coach the team. Yep. And so, you know, I just continued what he had started, add my little flair to it. And then, you know, we were able to take the team at that point. We took them to the world championships, which mm. is the was the second time in the country's history that we made it to a world championship. Wow. Wow. And in the first time we made it to the Sweet 16. But but doing that, what it allowed it to do was it allowed all those younger teams to start. And we would bring a lot of the coaches in to watch us practice, to watch us. I would talk with them. I mean, we started the started that process of incorporating a lot of the stuff that we had learned to the homegrown coaches and and plant, planting and, those seeds and building that that lineage. That lineage, with right? The people behind. So since we had start, since we had started that, since then, now they they are there are over thirty. I think there's like thirty five Dominican kids that are at college in college. Wow! In the states here. In the states. Wow! In the states, playing at some level, Division two, Division one, you know, NAI. There are over thirty kids now wow. that, that have come through, and it's continued to grow. Now those kids now are graduating. Andres Feliz. Yep. Um, you know, Ricky. Ricky at, at Dayton had uh, Jerry Matos, mm-hmm. who, um, you know. Chris Duarte, all these kids now that are that are now at the level where they're going to become professionals. Yeah, that's going to be the next group of guys, next group of wave and guys that are going to be able to take the senior team. That's awesome. Shout, shout out to Chris Duarte. I know he just had a baby not that long ago. Yeah, um, over at Oregon. So he's a senior. He's going into his senior year. He's going yeah. in. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> yeah, him and Felice uh, played together in JUCO and and. Really talented, really, really talented, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at a loss for words on on a few levels. Um, I think, I think the the selflessness of of John Calipari to give that much thought and consideration to, you know, the Dominican Republic, which is traditionally a baseball country. Right. Um, you talk to like you know talk to Felipe Lopez and you guys, you know. There's a lot of great basketball that's come through the Dominican Republic, but it's outshunned by the baseball side of things. Um, The presence of mind to really put you guys in a position um, strategically to try to build something even greater than what he could in his limited time. Uh, It's it's an amazing thing to hear. I, I didn't realize that. But now that you say it, you know, you think about like, you know, and I'm sure you coached Carl Anthony Towns both at Kentucky at Kentucky, right? Were you there when he so, was I'm, Now I'm going to tell you the story about Carl. Yes! <laughs> so the, 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 the first guy that coached Carl I actually was Ralph Salazar. Okay. okay. Not familiar so with Ralph, him. <laughs> Ralph is, is from New York. Okay. He's a Dominican guy that's in New York and in the city. He coaches. He does a great job. Um, so he had him as a youngster. And he tells Oliver, yo, I got a kid. Mom is Dominican, and he's going to be nice. Yep. 
This was when he was like 13. And let's be 14. clear. We're talking about Oliver Antigua, your brother. He He's yes. the one that gets this information. Correct. Yeah. So Oliver at the time is coaching the um, the 15 and under team down in DR. He's going to take a, a group of kids from New York down to DR. And one of the kids that he brought down was Carl Towns. Wow. wow. So he starts working with Carl then. And he's like, oh, this kid is the real deal. He's skilled. Boom, boom, boom. And so when Carl plays plays in Puerto Rico and, and does, a, does a great job and you know, they try not to let him play, they have to wake, make him wait. He had, they had a group of guys, but they wound up doing a nice job. And I think they got the silver medal in the central basket in, in Puerto Rico. And so um, part of what we were doing with, with Cal and the senior team was, all right, we had this group of senior team. We were going to replicate what USA basketball was doing. We're going to bring a bunch of young young dudes with talent, college guys, some high school guys that they, they fit the mold. We're going to bring them and let them be the team that's going to scrimmage against the senior team. Mm-hmm. One, we get a chance to work them. They get a chance to get better. They get a chance to experience it. And so we did that with a bunch of guys. And uh, Angel Delgado was one. Uh, Carl Town mm-hmm. was the other one. Um, Joey De La Rosa was another one. Um, so we had a group of those kids that came in and, you know, we start putting the team together, be a senior team. And you can only take 12 on the roster. Mm-hmm. All 12 are not going to play. So I convinced them to say, yo, instead of having 12 guys, you should invest in the young kid. You can keep working them. You invest in the young kid. And that young kid was Carl Towns. Mm. Wow. So he was a he was a 15-year-old that was on the senior team. So he learned about wow. he learned from he learned from Al Harford. He learned from Francisco <laughs> Garcia, from Jack Michael. He learned how to how they work, how they play, how to professional. So he's out there playing, competing against Louis Scola. You know, he's playing against some NBA guys That's when crazy. he's a 15, 16 year old. Yo. And so, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, I just want to say having a, having a little foresight, having a little foresight. Yo, that's so, super dope, man. Let me tell you something, man. First of all, um, about John Calipari, right? I want to share this quick story. We did an interview on, on Dribble and Dives with um, Dana Dingle from UMass, yep. and so I was so Dana had brought up John Calipari. Now mm-hmm. at this time, I I shared with Dana that my my thoughts and beliefs and whatever about John was very objective because I don't know, I never knew met him personally or anything. I was just going by what I was hearing on the media and all these scandals and all this stuff, right? right so right. I, I brought that to his attention, right? That man gave me the only ice grill, like... <laughs> yo, Any, yeah, so, that black so, man put the fear of God in me, right, Crowley? You know what? Never mind. <laughs> so fun, funny thing is that, you know, Cal himself actually appreciate and likes that he wants people to think that mm-hmm. the people that know that know cal because of the way he is you know what i mean when when you're in his circle and you family you family to him you like you family right, it, so ain't, be- it ain't no it ain't no bs so right. if you hurting he's hurting mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that kind of stuff so he, he don't he puts that wall up he don't let a whole lot of people know him like that That's and be- so the people that know him understand, like, you know, everybody got their opinions and stuff. So when you hear it, you laugh because you're like, yeah, people don't know him. That's that's right. what it is. Well, I mean, I mean, just, just just hearing your story now, I think it's just it's fruits of the labor of this man. Like, it's a beautiful thing. Like, I'm I'm yeah. happy to know this side of him because, first of all, he's just hearing Dan and Dingle's story and then many others. But then what yeah. he's done for DR, that he's not even a part of this country, and he wanted to kind of, like, 
continue that 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 lineage of great ball players and stuff like, and then mm-hmm. to plant that on you like. I just think that that speaks volumes, man. Like he's planting seeds for forever, for his legacy and for and beyond. Like it's a beautiful, it's a testament to selflessness, like my brother was saying. So I, I have nothing but profound respect. I loved him from UMass days, you know, personally, yeah. just from a coaching perspective. Not right, from right. I didn't again. I just loved his fiery. He took a team that even though they had Marcus Camby, I honest personally didn't expect to like to be. I didn't expect big yeah. things. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought they were the underdogs, and they were, but. They still were out there in the final four. They still made it through. So, kudos to John yeah. Calipari. Pretty yeah, much all yeah, that. Yeah. Now he does. He's, he's, he he doesn't get enough credit for his his coaching abilities because of his ability to to recruit. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and ironically enough, he actually likes that. That's funny. You know, people people underappreciate him that way. I have a quick question though. Um, respect yeah. to the NCAA now, like currently to this year and maybe even last year, the last couple of years, the the the, the NBA the the players in college is, is kind of changed now. We have a lot more players leaving earlier or even bypassing college. Um, talk to me a little bit about how John Calipari is from a recruitment standpoint, where he is with respect to the current state of affairs with the NCAA. Do you feel like the the because I feel like the plateau was kind of more even if if and you can correct me if I'm wrong but as far as talent pool it's not like you have the number one guy now and you're gonna win like I'd say like a Joel Embiid once upon a time if you had Joel Embiid you're like you're good to go pretty much now mm-hmm. it's kind of like I feel like it's more spread out what do you think it, about the start? The, the there, there, there's a lot there's a lot of parity in 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 college basketball right now and it's cyclical like that. Um, a lot of it is just because of the the, the talent that's out there. Um, a lot of it is because, you know, the Zion Williamson, the, those generational guys that come right. ever so, you know, every five, six, seven years um, are gone. They don't stay long. Right. And and I think, you know, obviously Cal was the, the originator of, you know, the one and done and, and, mm-hmm. and pushing and putting kids in a position to go, and chase their dreams. You know, he, he, right. he, he took what many um, coaches knew that kids were coming to college just to try to get prepared to go to the NBA. And if they have the talent and the ability, you know, why deny that? You go to college to try to better yourself, educate yourself, to put yourself to get a, a good job. Right. Right. Facts. And so right. you're, using, you're using basketball to get yourself a good job. And if you got the ability and the talent, he was just smart enough to get be ahead of the curve and market it that way and, and uh-huh. you know, own it. And, you know, I was I was fortunate to be a part of that early on with him to, to you know, to help him um, put some of those teams together and, and, you know, be a part of history in that way. You know, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, it speaks more about his selflessness because I'm thinking to myself, right, he's kind of perpetuating this whole one-and-done deal. When I bet, the majority of college coaches want to hold on to that star player to kind of continue their winning lineage and history. And he's like, no, no, get out of here. Like, yo, John Wall, beat it. Uh, Let's go. Get the hell out. You know, you're good. Go. Well, he he thinks thinks different than a lot of people because he knows that I make it about the higher. You're cutting up. Uh, you, as you could far not. as they can for okay. me, right? We got you back. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Say, say that right. one more time. Yeah, say it again. I said that because 
he, he was he was very smart. He knew that he made it about those kids. And he knew if you make it about the kids, that however long you had them, whether it's one year, two year, three year, four years, they're going to try to go as far as they can for you, right? Um, the other thing is that because he makes it about them and you do a lot of winning and they, they, they buy in, they listen, they absorb what he's trying to say, then you can get a group of that talent like that to do the same thing that everybody benefits. So when those kids move on, whether it's they're there for eight months, nine months, or two years or three years, then the kids that are similar to those kids want to go and do the same thing. Yep. So you lose a John Wall. Then you get a Brandon Knight. Mm. You know, then you lose a Brandon Knight. Then you get an Aaron Harrison. Yeah. You know, you just, they just keep, they'll keep coming. They're Andrew Harrison. They just, they'll keep coming because they see, okay, uh, you, you had a kid that's a top five recruiting kid, point guard. Okay. The point guards have done well. Okay, so have the big guys, Demarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony. You know, you go out recruiting again for Kentucky, but yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? That you just <laughs> listen. Have that kind of talent. You have that kind of talent. He knows how. He knows how he can help you with that. No, so, I was gonna say we. So I, I want to kind of wrap up. Um, trying to understand two two main things, and Amelia probably has a couple of things as well. But like, from my perspective, it's how, who extended the olive branch to you to kind of jumpstart your college coaching career. One, because I, I think I know the answer, especially as I think I know how you got to Memphis. But I want to hear in your own words, and then mm-hmm. secondarily, as you look forward, right. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts as far as Illinois, you know, being under coach, coach Brad over here and just the, the longevity of Illinois, Illinois basketball, right? Illini basketball, because mm-hmm. you guys have done an amazing job, um, to, you know, to, to your point earlier of really standing out in, in college basketball in a lot of respects. Right. And, and, yeah. um, you know, our, our, our guy from Guachupita, um, <laughs> the, uh, he 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 played a big role. I feel like on, on a lot of stuff, right? And, and um, by the way, yeah. for, for the, I'm talking about and, Andres Feliz, uh, who who's now uh, departed or last season was just now. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to understand kind of how you see the the playing field moving forward. Uh, but first, I kind of want to understand like how you got into coaching on a high level. Who were some of those people that extended the opportunity to you? So, um, when I left the Globetrotters after seven and a half years, I went back to Pittsburgh where I was living. I had my home there and, um, I got into sales and, um, trying to stay in shape. Um, I was playing pickup in the park and started trying to help this big kid and his coach was there who was a friend of mine, um, who coaches high school. And so he offered for me to come and work out with the with the with their with his big guys. So as to kind of just to stay in shape, I said, okay, I'll come in a couple of days a week and I'll do that. So I started doing that couple for like two weeks, and then he said, "Hey, uh, would you would you want to be an assistant on my staff?" And I said, "Sure, why not? I'll do it. I mean, I'm not doing anything." So I started I started helping him, hmm. and. We had a, this was at Mount Lebanon High School, and guy's name is uh, Joey David, and um, 
really, 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 really good coach. Played at Pitt, was a guard at Pitt. And um, so <clears throat> did that helping him at the time. Now Pitt is uh, Ben Howland is the head coach at the time at Pitt. Ben Howland decides to take the UCLA job. Hmm. So he, he leaves Pitt. Pitt then hires Jamie Dixon. Jamie Dixon knew that I was in town uh, because of Barry Slice Rawson. So Slice is from New York. Okay. So Slice decided not to go with Ben to UCLA. He said he wanted to stay at Pitt. Slice knew that, you know, I was there and um, calls me. I've got now I've got the coaching bug. I'm like, yeah, I, I like this. You know, I enjoyed it. I'm, you know, I, we had success. We went to the playoffs. We, we were two, we were two games away from getting to the city championship uh, in the playoffs. So, you know, I was excited about helping kids slice calls me. He said, Hey, what you doing? Oh, I said, nothing. Uh, at this point, I'm thinking I'm in the process of talking with the globe trotters again. Okay. I was going to go, move into corporate office. I was going to be in charge of Latin American sales and scouting Mm -hmm. in Latin America for Mm -hmm. the Globetrotters. My wife and I had flown out to Phoenix. We looked at homes. Wow. Had a a deal, had an offer. And um, I was negotiating the relocating fees to try to get out there. And so Slice calls me. He said, oh, what are you doing? I said, no, I'm on my way to go work this kid out. He said, can you meet me down on the south side in Pittsburgh? I said, okay, I'll meet you down there. I didn't know what was happening. I go meet him down there. Tim and Jamie Dixon. He said, um, Jamie said, I just got the job an hour ago. Um, You know, Slice is staying here. He's going to be an assistant. And would you be interested in becoming director of operations? Mm. And I said, um, he started talking about salary, and I said, I said, yep, I'm good. He said, what do you mean? I said, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> so, Wait, did he, tell, did he give you a number, or even before no, he, he said the he, number? He, no, he, start, he started to talk about benefits and this, and I said, no, nah, I'm good. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. And so he was, like, taking, taking it back a little bit. And so he wound up saying one number, which was, you know, I didn't care about the number. Yeah. And... And, um, you know, when the alumni found out that I was taking the job, that number had changed by a lot. <laughs> so, wow. uh, it wound up, it wound up working out really well for me. Oh, it, it went up. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So the alumni, okay. I, so sometimes that goes yeah. against you, but they was like, no, you got to take care of this dude. He's one of ours. That's yes. dope. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Pittsburgh. Yo, yo give yeah. it up for so, Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wound up doing that and... Uh, I was, you know, operation. And I actually at one point thought that I would stay in administration and try to become an athletic director or something in that field on the administration administration side. And so when um, Slice went over and took the Manhattan job, Joe Lombardi was the other assistant, went and took the IUP job. Um, then he moved me up as an assistant coach mm. and then you know, the rest, as they say, the rest is history. So wow. then I was at Pitt for two years as an assistant when Cal and Memphis team went to the national championship yep. mm-hmm. with Derek Rose. Mm-hmm. You know, his staff, he had one, Jose, Chucky Martin. Yes, sir. <clears throat> so Chuck uh, gets the Maris job. The other assistant at the time was Derek Kellogg. He gets the UMass job. Yep. 
Um, so Cal is looking for staff and he's looking for people. And so, you know, I talked to Chuck, called Chuck, Chuck called Brew, called all these people. And so how I know Cal is when Cal got the UMass job, he left Pittsburgh. Oh, that's he was right. an assistant at Pitt. That's Yo. So Cal was a, so Cal was an assistant at Pitt because he grew up in Pittsburgh. Yep. He grew up in Coriopolis. Mm-hmm. He gets the head coaching job. He comes down to try to recruit me and Terrence Wrenching. The season says no, it's too late. You can recruit Dana Dingle. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. He's like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> so, right. We, we, we were already, it was already, you know, we were already too far gone in the recruiting process. Right. So that's what you tell him now. You're going to have to, you know. So Kyle's family, all his people are from Pittsburgh. I played at Pitt. I know a lot of the same people. Mm. And so when he loses his staff, um, I'm looking at the opportunity to try to expand. Either I was going to go on the administrative side or I was going to stay on the coaching side. But I didn't want to get typecast as just an East Coast recruiter. Yep. And so I saw an opportunity to go learn this new dribble drive offense with a guy that's considered one of the best recruiters in the country and expand my recruiting base. That was my thinking. Right. So I meet with Cal, um, you know, Chuck sets it up and, and Bruce set it up. And so I get a chance to meet with him. He flies into Pittsburgh. He comes up there all the time. He's got uh, a couple of aunts that he takes care of. He'll say he's coming up there to go recruit and he's going to get pizza and go see his aunts. Right. He'll pay their, their, pay their, their, rent. their uh, Pay their home, they're they're in a home, so he goes and pays oh, the bill. Got it. <clears throat> so he's up there, and we, I meet him at the airport. He goes, "Hi, right, what's up? What's this? What's this about?" I come in, I'm suited and booted. I got my tie, I got my resume. puts put the resume away. Take your tie off. All right, he's sitting there with the <laughs> rapper, and he goes, he goes, he goes. Don't waste my time. What is this about? Do you just want more money? If you want more money, I'll call him. I tell him I'm gonna hire you. And I'll get you some more money and we can go have a pizza. We're good. We don't right. have to play this game, do this. I'm like, nah, this is, I'm, I want to learn. I want to expand. So he's straight up gangster. <laughs> so, you know, we go through it and I tell him why I'm interested in this and that. And he, he winds up, he winds up flying me down to Memphis with at the time, Josh Pastner. He wanted to see how we related, how we connected. And, you know, I got the job with him there. I got a chance to coach for one year. We were there for eight months mm. before um, he got the job to go to Kentucky. And we wound up going to Kentucky from there. And, you know, the rest is just crazy. Yeah. Yo, whirlwind, whirlwind. Yo, first of all, I just want to make this comment right quick. Yo, when it comes to name dropping, you are the, you are the king Kong of this shit. <laughs> this man had Jeff Van Gundy, Eddie George. And, and John Calipari, all in like in one lifetime yeah. that he knew prior to anything, like prior to them, like yo, bro, like that's what's going on in this, y'all. Yeah, 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 it's a crazy blessing, man. That's why I say I've been blessed and fortunate, man. Just that, you know, that a kid from the BX, man, got a chance to travel the world and be around these people, and and you know, when you're when you're that blessed, that fortunate, you can only try to see how you can share that and and and. And impart that to some other people so they can try to have the same kind of experience or even better, man. So, I've been fortunate, man. I, I, and I know it. I know it, man. That's dope. I just I just want to say, I know I'll speak for my brother when I say this. It's an honor and a pleasure to have had you on the show. 
uh, mostly for us, for Dominican Americans, you know, it's it's dope to see one of our own make it to the stature that you have made it, and to have that kind of experience that you had, that resume that you put together. And yeah. we, we got to celebrate you, man. We got to celebrate you. I know you ain't modest because I could tell that fake modesty shit. It ain't working. <laughs> that shit don't work. But I, mean, I, I took my glasses off because I can see through you now. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. But, yo, it's a sincere pleasure to have had you. And thank you for your time, my brother. For real. Nah, I appreciate it. Like I said, I know it. I know it. Manny and I have been going back and forth for a while now, man. Yeah. It's my it's my pleasure. And honestly, man, I'm proud of y'all, man, what y'all doing, what y'all taking it. You know, only bigger and better things for you guys. So keep it up. Keep doing what you've been doing. Just keep it real. Keep it 100. <laughs> Yo, the Bronx not believe you, brother. Keep, keep. Nah, I don't. Never, never. Keep, keep, uh, <laughs> keep, rep keep representing the X. For yes, sure. Sir. Keep having fun with it, brother. Keep having fun yes, with it, right man. Up. Likewise, bro. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Where are All you, right, yo. I'll see you, bro. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right. All right, y'all. All right, peace. peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D R I double B L E N D I M E S.